0: minister's calling, a pastor's calling, a preacher's calling, an evangelist's calling, an apostle's calling, the calling to the ordained ministry is one that is different from person to person, pastor to pastor, minister to minister, preacher to preacher, servant to servant the calling that we have each of us has a calling by the way the calling that each of us has to ministry differs from person to person no two callings are the same when boards of ordained ministry meet to examine candidates for the ministry one of the things we ask is can you describe to us can you explain to us can you tell us about your calling that moment in your life when God called you into ministry, when God called you to serve the kingdom of God, when God called you to preach, when God called you to teach, when God called you to pastor. And every calling is different. Every calling is special. Every calling is particular to the individual who receives it. And it is always a good idea for a pastor during their first year in their pastorate in any given church to tell the story of their calling, to to relate to their people, those whom God has given them the the calling that they have received into ordained ministry. And if you've heard some of my story in the past over several different sermons, you've heard me tell my story or elements of my story, but never my calling into ordained ministry when when God said I want you to serve me I want you to serve the church in ministry I was in college at Southern Methodist University in Dallas I was studying history and religion and Russian I had a triple major. I was absolutely insane. I I was going to be a professional student I think. I think my parents were concerned that I was going to be a professional student because I had three majors and a minor. I mean come on. I mean that's insane. Well many of those classes overlapped. Some of the history classes overlapped with the religion classes. Some of the Russian classes overlapped with the religion classes and the history classes and all around. And so I got double coverage in many cases. It was wonderful in that sense but I did not necessarily know what I wanted to do other than teach. I was certain I was called to be a teacher. I was certain God called me to be a teacher. I loved to teach and especially loved teaching the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. I loved teaching the Scriptures, and I was enjoying doing that as well as taking part in Bible studies on campus. One day we were working our way through the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. And sitting there around a table with several other people, reading and turning pages as we were going along, and I was using this particular Bible, this exact Bible, which Mom and Dad gave me. It's a King James. It has wide margins, so you can make notes, and I've made lots of notes in this Bible. Page after page after page is just covered with text and remarks and commentary and alternate translations and opinions, many of which are wrong now, and also all sorts of things like ideas for preaching, many of which I have never actually preached on, I noticed, as well as ideas and thoughts and highlighting in yellow and green and red and all sorts of other colors, and marks, remarks and notations, cross references. I've, I've filled this Bible with many, many remarks. And, Many of those came from some of these Bible studies back when I was at SMU. Well, we turned over from chapter 2 into chapter 3, and we were reading down in chapter 3. And I had one of those moments one of those moments where God, metaphorically speaking, kicked me in the butt. You know, those times when you're not really paying attention you're kind of running on automatic. You're you're running on autopilot. You're not really paying attention to what's going on around you. You're not really listening to what's being said. You're not really paying attention possibly like right now. And then suddenly God goes boing. That's what happened to me. As we were reading chapter 3, of Ephesians. And we got down to verse 7. I remember looking down at my Bible. And even though there was nothing written in the margin at that time, there was no highlighting, there was no underlining, there were no words boxed in or circled with translations out to the side unlike now. It was just pure, pristine, unmarked on text. And yet, in my spiritual sense, in my spiritual eye, It's as if the verses, these two verses, verses 7 and 8, had leapt off the page and slapped me in the face. Pay attention to us. I was made a minister, Paul writes. I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that i should preach among the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ it's as if these words were highlighted it's as if these words were glowing saying pay attention pay attention I wrote out on the margin, you can see it right here, for me, question mark, question mark, question mark. For me? No, I was called to teach. I was called to be a teacher. I was called to teach the Bible not preach i was called to be a teacher not a preacher not a pastor not a a minister in fact i knew i couldn't possibly be a minister i couldn't possibly be a pastor because i knew what kind of a sinner i was in fact i kind of agreed with this unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given you better believe i'm the less than the least of all saints god you can't possibly be calling me to be a preacher i can't do this I stutter yes I do when I was in elementary school I had to go to resource to learn how to speak and to read but especially to speak without stuttering and I still sometimes when I got nervous and especially when I got in front of big crowds I, 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 would, I, would, I, would, I would stutter. I still do some. If the bishop were sitting out there, I'd be stuttering right now. I I did down here a few minutes ago when I tried to call out that announcement about the hymn number. When I'm tired, when I'm nervous, when I feel like I'm on the spot in an uncomfortable situation, I. And still to this day stutter so I I took resource when I was in elementary school and when I got into college I knew I was going to be a teacher so I need to be able to speak in front of people and so I went and took drama classes yes I acted in plays and musicals I, I was in um, let's see the Jungle Book I played Baloo that big blue bear. Of course, the bear necessities of life will come to you. That's a perfect song for me to sing, friends. I even look a little bit like Blue. So it was perfect for me to do that. In, the, in My Fair Lady, I played um, Colonel Pickering, who had a wonderful... He sat around drinking port the whole play and sang, by George, imagine that. Pretty much the whole time, that's all you had to do. It was a wonderful play, but I learned how to speak... In front of people, because I knew I was called to teach, but not preach. God, if this is for me, you've chosen the wrong person. I was made a minister. That word "minister" comes from the Latin. Actually, the the Greek word is "diakonos," servant. I was made. We get the word deacon from it. Diaconos, servant. I was made a diaconos, a servant, according to the gift of the grace of God by God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved, undeservable, unearnable, unmeritable love and favor. We cannot earn, we cannot merit, We cannot deserve God's love and favor, but because God loves us, God gives it to us anyway, as a gift, a freely given thing, God's grace. The Greek word is charis, and it means God's unearned, unmerited, unmeritable love and favor. Well, I knew that if I was going to do anything for God, it would have to be by God's grace. Because at that time in my life, and kind of still to this day, some of you who know my sense of humor know that for me, the, you know, the hymn, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the blissful shore. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I used to sing that, I was sinking deep in sin. Whoopee! That was me, friends. Hmm. I didn't want to preach. I didn't think I could preach. Teach? Yes. Professor? Hopefully. Preach? No. But God wouldn't quit. This passage kept coming up again and again and again. Highlighted, underlined. I started to highlight it and underline it because God kept doing it for me. So I decided to highlight it and underline it and ask this question and research the words. Grace Gift, unearned, unmerited by the effectual working of his power. This passage, that word power, is dunamis in Greek. The Greek word dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. The explosive energy of God. This passage was like a stick of dynamite in my life. Exploding in my life. Exploding with God's grace, God's energy, God's strength, God's love, God's grace. By the effectual working of His power unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Boy, is that ever true. Is this grace given? You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You're not born with it. It's given to you. That I should preach... I didn't like that word. When people introduce me as a preacher to this day, I still cringe that I should preach among the Gentiles, ethnoi, nations. That's everybody, that I may preach to all people, among all people, to all people, for all people, that I may preach among the nations, the peoples, the unsearchable. Riches of Christ. One of the reasons why I don't like the word preacher is because my mental image of a preacher is of some guy wearing a blue polyester shoot, suit shaking a Bible at you and saying, you're a sinner. But that's not what this is talking about. Preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches Christ, unsearchable, never-ending, bottomless, riches, riches of grace, love, peace, forgiveness, reconciliation, the unsearchable riches of Christ. In this passage, that day in a Bible study at SMU, God called me to ordain ministry. God changed my life. With those two verses, God changed me. I fought against it. I struggled against it. I questioned it. I said, oh no, okay, I'll bargain with God. Okay, I'll go through the ordination process. I'll jump through all those hoops. I'll become ordained so I can finish up the process, get my doctorate, get ordained, and then I can go teach in seminary other future preachers. Okay? That sounds like a plan. God, we'll do that. Okay, God? God had other plans. Yes, I've taught in several locations several times. I was offered the position as dean of the seminary in Manila. I've taught in several summer doctoral ministry programs throughout the country. I enjoy doing that. I will do that in the future. But 20 years after having Received my doctorate after having been ordained 20 years, 25 years after the beginning of my ministry. I know now that God has called me to preach amongst all peoples the unsearchable, bottomless, endless riches of Christ, of his love, of his grace and peace. Yes, to teach, but firstly, to preach. Well, I fought this calling. I fought it. I went off to seminary. First day of seminary, first class, CM10, a class known as Church Ministry 10, the first class that you take in seminary as a candidate for ministry that deals with ministry. And that first day of class, the very first class, the professor stood up, took his Bible, opened his Bible to Ephesians chapter 3 and began to read. And I looked at my Bible, I pulled out this Bible and I looked in I saw my highlighting, I saw my underlining, I saw my notes, especially for verses 7 and 8. But now God was highlighting a different verse. I had struggled with and was still toying with trying to find ways to get around seven and eight and so God decided to throw verse nine at me callings are usually progressive they usually grow with time they transform over time as you move in your life as you take steps towards responding to God's call God's calling evolves with you and that was the case here I was ready to hear the calling to preach I was already received a calling to teach. Teaching is a calling, friends. I'd already received the calling to teach. I'd received a calling to preach. I was still struggling with it, but I was accepting it to some degree at least. I was trying to find a way to get around it, but it it was there. And now God decided to dump this one on me. Verse 9. And to make... Now, if you have your King James, you'll notice that this says men here, all men, see? That men is in italics. That means it's been added by the translators. It's not there. To make all people see, is a better translation, and to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. And when the professor finished reading that verse, I heard absolutely... Nothing else that day. He was up there going, wah, 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 and I was focusing in on verse 9. It was screaming at me. Hello! You saw the first two verses before me. You saw verses 7. You saw verse 8. You struggled with that. You're still not entirely certain about it. But guess what? Now you've got to deal with me. Verse 9. To make all people see, to enlighten all people, to make all people see, actually has to shine the light upon, is the literal rendering there. What is the fellowship? The Greek word is koinonia, gathering, collection, fellowship, joint participation, is the wooden rendering here, of the mystery? And the greek rendering here is musterion we get the word mystery from musterion but in the history of the church over 2000 years that word mystery has had one universal application the word musterion has pointed to one thing throughout the history of the church over 2000 years that the sacrament of holy communion indeed the Latin Vulgate renders this sacramentum. (laughs) Sacramentum. They make no bones about it, friends. And to enlighten all people to see what is the joint participation that we have in the sacrament, in God's riches for us, One of my favorite acronyms, it's artificial, but it works for grace, G-R-A-C-E, is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what we have right here. Because of Christ's life, ministry, death and resurrection and ascension, because of all that he did being born in Bethlehem of Judea, Being raised, teaching, preaching, healing, transforming people's lives, calling disciples. Then being sacrificed on the cross for us. Buried, dead. And then raised for our eternity. Because of all that He did, offering Himself, we have grace. Eternal, unearned and unmerited, never-ending, bottomless grace that is given to us through word the gospel and through sacrament the mystery that Jesus gives in which Jesus gives himself to us and to enlighten all people to see what is the joint participation we have in the mystery the sacrament which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God we call this event Holy Communion the Eucharist we also call it the marriage supper of the lamb which happens at the end of time the offering of the lamb who stepped forward to be offered at the beginning of time hidden in Christ From the beginning to the end is the amazing proclamation that in Christ we have God's presence with us. We have God's grace unlimited given to us. God's riches, bottomless riches given to us freely if we will simply accept them, receive them, partake of them. In other words, in these three verses, 7, 8, and 9 of Ephesians chapter 3, we have not only my calling, Scripture, to preach and celebrate the sacraments, preach the Word and celebrate the sacraments, we also have the calling of the church to proclaim the unlimited love of God for all, to all, without restriction, without limitation, without barrier. The calling that we have to share the love of God with all. In the United Methodist Church, we have an open table. That means that if God is calling you to receive here, you are welcome to come and receive without restriction. It's a manifestation of that unlimited, bottomless riches of the grace of Christ. My calling, and I could not deny it, and it has followed me ever since. I did a doctorate in it, and it has been part of my ministry ever since. My calling is to preach the endless, bottomless, never-ending riches of Christ's love for all and to share that love through the table of the Lord with all. Today, as you come to the table of the Lord to receive the glorious grace of Jesus Christ, as you come to the table of the Lord to feast on the riches of the endless grace of Jesus. Partake with faith. Give thanks and praise for the love of God which calls you, transforms you, and enables you to live as the children of God. And as we move into this year, into 2015, and on through this year, depend, rest upon, trust, in the unsearchable riches of christ that will eternally feed you and make you whole in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the holy spirit keep you in eternal life amen you may be seated the lord be with you, also with you. lift up your hearts lift up the lord. let us give thanks to the lord our god it is right to give our thanks and it is right and a good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you father almighty creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. It is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, He promised to be with us always in the power of Your Word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which He gave Himself up for us, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks to You, broke the bread, gave it to His disciples and said, Take, eat. This is My body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving. As a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us, as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood. By Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. By Christ and with Christ and in Christ in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is Yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. (laughs) and the glory forever. Amen. The disciples knew the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And when we give thanks over the cup, we are indeed blessed by the precious grace, the unsearchable riches of Christ your breath